Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. Hey guys, I'm Randy Younger, and this is another episode of Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. And right now I have with me a great panel of film critics. I'm really excited for this. We have two great film aficionados in my presence. We've got Miss Ivy Lofberg. Welcome back, Ivy. Hi, great to be here. Good to see you again, Ivy. And here for his second appearance on Under the Radar, uh, Tyler Michael. Tyler, welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be back. And it's also a pleasure to see you again. I've really missed you. It's you too, sir. You're a good man. And so it's nice to see you. Um, so before we get into it, um, we're going to be doing the 40th anniversary celebration of a great comedy classic, Trading Places. Uh, we're going to follow that with a nice look at John Landis's filmography, who he's gone from comedy to horror and back again. And he was very popular in the 70s and 80s, kind of went down in the 90s, but he left behind such a great legacy. Uh, before we get into John Landis, uh, I just wanted to ask you guys, Ivy, how are you doing these days? I'm doing really great. I got to see um, a wonderful movie this Sunday called Bottoms, which I absolutely loved so much. It was really fascinating because it was made by Orion Pictures. And they were recently bought by MGM and now they're making these great, like raunchy, mm. um, fun comedies again, and which was really fun. Like it, it really, Bottoms really felt like a movie that was like one of those crazy, crazy 80s, you know, fun movies with, it was, it's like a female fight club in high school. It was the most fun I've had at the movies for a while. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, we, we, we uh, reviewed it uh, last week and enjoyed it very much it was like refreshingly original you know and the the fact that orion pictures is behind it it is very nostalgic and it definitely takes me back to seeing that that opening logo of the stars spinning and spelling out orion so it was really nice to see that logo again um they did update it a little bit but it's it's still pretty cool um yeah yeah bottoms was, was a really good one for sure uh tyler how are you sir <laughs> i'm doing quite well i'm getting very excited for next month uh next month is spooky season and i love it so very much i'm a big horror fanatic and i've got a few great plans coming up hopefully everything works well and i'm gonna be scaring at blood manor uh during that month which i can't wait to scare the pants off of people <laughs> that's so cool uh can you tell anyone a little bit about the if the costumes or the sets well i don't want to give too much away because we also have some new things coming into the manor mm. but bottom line is it's a two-story attraction mm. one story is all blood and guts while the other uh floor is all in 3d so that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to share. But I am looking forward to a good haunt this year, as well as marathoning through scary movies, which I do all month long. That's amazing. Speaking of which, um, a couple of weeks ago in Huntington, Long Island, at the Cinema Arts Center, they did a zombie movie marathon. Uh, five movies from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., it was wow. one of the coolest weekends of my life. I'm, I'm not gonna. You I'm got not, to go? Oh my I'm, god! Yeah. What I'm did they show? It, it's an. It was an amazing experience. They do it every year. They kind of change up the movies every year. But um, 
Yeah. I wish you guys were there with me. Um, I, I want to go. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I went with um, a good friend of the show, CJ Oakland, and we, we sat through all five films and between each film was like a little break, like sort of like intermissions. And um, yeah. So just briefly, they did, um, it was army of darkness, Friday, thir Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. Um, the reanimator, which I actually had never seen before. I loved that one. That was great. Um, and then the last two were 1990s Night of the Living Dead remake. And they closed things off with a, a movie I never even heard of called The Gates of Hell. So yeah, that was awesome. I, I'm, I'm still reliving it. Like I'm still like riding that high. It was so cool. But um, I hope to see you guys there next year. So <laughs> I would love to attend it very much. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and as for me, some, some plugs for me right off the bat, um, I recently got involved with a website, uh, called cinema daily us. And basically I'm now contributing, uh, interviews and reviews to this website. And basically my first assignment was this Apple TV plus show called still up about two insomniacs in, in, in England. And basically it's like kind of like sexual tension. Will they or won't they get together? And I watched all eight episodes. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's called Still Up. So. How cool. Appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so that's uh, a new development for me. And I'm really happy about that. Uh, good people over there at Cinema Daily. And uh, yeah, so guys, we have a lot to cover. Um, 1983 brought us one of probably one of the greatest yeah one of the greatest comedy films of all time trading places uh you've got dan Aykroyd who plays this snobby rich guy uh you've got eddie murphy who's the total opposite who plays this con artist who basically results to to crime now uh dan Aykroyd's character uh lewis winthorpe he, he his employers are these two super rich guys that are so bored that they decide to basically make a bet to see if they could switch Aykroyd and, and, and Murphy to turn the rich to the poor and the poor to the rich. And it's basically a, a take on the classic uh, Prince and the Pauper story. And yeah, it, it's updated for the 80s and it is so well done. John, Lam John Landis kills it as uh, the director in this. And it's it's great, got a great score, great soundtrack, great performances. Jamie Lee Curtis is also in it as the love interest. And you've got uh, it's Ralph Bellamy and Donna Michi as the two rich brothers. And it's just a fun movie. I, I'll be, I'll be real quick with this anecdote. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of the very first VHSs I remember playing was Trading Places. So my parents had this thing before I was born. I was born in 1985. This movie came in 83. So they they had the VHS for this. And I did have some of my earliest memories are looking at that that VHS, co VHS cover and uh, playing it in the v VCR. So this movie really uh, hits home for me. It's super nostalgic. And it and I watched it last night. I rewatched it. It holds up. So yeah, Ivy, ladies first. Uh, <laughs> what, are your what are your thoughts on this classic film? <laughs> 
I, I really agree with you. I, I think what's extraordinary too is that Eddie Murphy was like 19 or 20 when he made that movie. He was kind of fresh off of, you know, he's on SNL and I, I saw a great interview last night that talked about how he was basically keeping SNL alive at that point with his sketches and just just to watch him make that leap into cinema and in such a classic film I think it was especially something really exciting because you know so many of the SNL cast um it's really hit or miss you know when once they go into movies and yeah like for Eddie Murphy to partner up with John Landis that early and make a truly high quality classic film that really stands up over time. And I I love too that it's, it starts to get into some really rich ideas about class and, and race and in a way that I feel like holds up as well. It's, it's actually um, very modern I find in the way that it talks about in, in just by putting them in in switching their environments, you know that's kind of all that they had to do, and um, I love that um, that you know just these SNL alums were really um, a part of you know they really got to show what they can really do um, and make a, a beautiful film. I think it is a beautiful film. It is totally agree with you. It- it's um yeah it, it is a, a definite early uh, SNL to movie transfer, and I think this is my well yeah so you got the Blues Brothers actually was before this so that was probably the the first really successful if not the first SNL movie it but, is the first SNL yeah movie. it is it is so I guess you I guess this is the second so and just the chemistry between Aykroyd and and Murphy is just so perfect. Uh, every scene that they're in together is just hilarious. And yeah, it, it's this movie has always put a smile on my face. No, no matter when I see it, if it's ever on cable, if I catch it, you know, streaming, whatever, it's just a really like, it's just a fun movie. And yeah, Ivy, it definitely has some strong themes of like class and um, it's a good commentary on society at, at, at large. And um, I told, I also agree that it is, it does, even though it is an eighties movie, it is pretty timeless and it, it could be um, appreciated in pretty much any time period. So yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Tyler, how about you? What, what are your thoughts of this classic? <laughs> well, this is my second time viewing the film. Um, the first time I viewed it was actually on Christmas Eve last year because I didn't have anything better to watch. I pretty much watched all of my favorite Christmas films with the exception of the one I watch on Christmas Day, which is It's a Wonderful Life. And I really wanted to watch something different and alternative. Mm-hmm. And when I heard about this film, it sounded like a good comedy. Like, you know, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd literally trading places, you know. Put it, you know, again, like you said, it's a Prince and the Pauper kind of movie just told in the 80s. And, you know, I went into it and I enjoyed it. I'm going to be honest. I think it's a really funny movie. I wasn't like laugh. I wasn't like roaring with laughter when I saw the film, but I was also enjoying the characters. I was enjoying, you know, the chemistry. I was there were definitely moments that had me laughing at my seat as well. But What really uh, made the film very fascinating for me uh, personally is not only can it be seen as an alternative Christmas movie, but it can also be seen as 
a 80s uh, version of a screwball comedy from the 30s and 40s, like films like His Girl Friday or mm -hmm. what really came to my mind, um, My Man Godfrey, okay. which is, you know, one that makes fun of, you know, the rich, you know, and the poor, you know, mm -hmm. puts like, I don't know if you've seen the film, but long story short, a uh, poor man actually gets a job as a butler working for the rich class and the film just satirizes everything. It just satirizes the rich as the man who is now in the working class is just like, oh my gosh, really? They behave this way? Are they really that dumb and spoiled? <laughs> like it's the dry humor that you definitely get in this movie Trading Places, right. Um, right. mainly from Eddie Murphy. So that's how it reminds me of those kinds of old screwball uh, comedies from way back when with that yeah. 80s flair, you know, that's really over the top, but also is very smart, very clever with its ideas and themes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And overall, watching it a second time, I enjoyed it even more. And mm -hmm. fun fact, um, even the uh, actors that are playing the Duke brothers, the villains, they also came from that era of screwball comedy. So John Landis definitely was homaging oh, yeah. that genre. Yeah. So that's Man. one of the things I love about the film. How it yep. takes like old, you know, old Hollywood themes and ideas and just brings it back to the 80s with new commentary, new jokes, and definitely goes above and beyond. Plus with two of plus with two of the uh, greatest comedians of all time, right. as well as Jamie Lee Curtis, who also proves her worth in this film as an actress than just a scream queen. Touche. Yes. And yeah, so Landis definitely, he respects the classics and he kind of... Uh, utilizes similar uh, techniques, similar themes. Uh, there's another film actually that came out after this, Spies Like Us, that Landis did that also has a lot of homages to like classic films like uh, Bing Crosby and, and Bob Hope. Bob Hope is actually in uh, a, a brief cameo in Spies Like Us. Mm -hmm. So Landis definitely uh, respects the classics and I really, I, I respect him for respecting the classics. Um, so yeah, Trading Places, guys. This movie, yeah, for me, it's timeless. Uh, Tyler, I'm really, it's awesome that you saw it at Christmas time because this is a definite Christmas movie slash mm -hmm. Year's Eve movie and uh, just so much fun. And one of the first successful uh, SNL movies. So, so happy that it is celebrating its 40th anniversary and hoping that a new generation of fans will discover it because it is really that good. Um, I, I I did, however, laugh out loud a few times last night. And uh, I mean, yeah, this movie for me, it just, it never gets old, so. Mm -hmm. I, I'd love to add too, what, what I love about it is that even the, the cover art for the movie, it's like it, it shows that both Eddie Murphy's character and Dan Ackroyd's character are getting something great out of this experiment. And I really like that they really push that forward. Like even on the cover, like Eddie Mur is like, you know, this this trade actually did work out well for me too and, and did elevate my life in in some ways. And and I think to to put that, I I think in the in the movie was really a, a wonderful thing because you know, uh, historically, 
that hasn't been the case, you know? Um, so I, I feel like it was kind of also writing a, a few different uh, wrongs in, in, in cinema and how those class divides can be portrayed, you know, and that they gave Eddie Murphy's character, you know, got so much a good fortune too out of that. Like it, it didn't, um, he wasn't just kind of being used as an experiment. He really um, had a, a wonderful outcome for himself, you know, and Dan Aykroyd's character learned a bunch. So I, I think, but it, none of it, all of it's very funny. I think that that is, seems like one of the hardest things to do is to make all of that really funny also. Mm. Like the last act is definitely a revenge story. And <laughs> our two main characters definitely get that, that revenge. No spoilers. I mean, it's a 40 year old movie. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. But um, yeah, definitely getting uh, the Duke's brothers to to become poor was really hilarious. And um, there is actually they <laughs> it's another film that the that is done by John Landis that has actually a cameo from the Duke brothers, and it's just the most priceless cameo it's my favorite cameo of any movie the dukes brothers are in coming to america so basically that ties it into i guess like john landis's universe so yeah i hope i didn't spoil that for anybody but you know coming to america that's another classic not as great as uh trading places but still a decent landis comedy for sure um i also wanted to talk briefly about all the uh the, the other cameos here so you've got um Jim Belushi, he plays uh, a drunken train passenger uh, towards the end of the film, basically dressed up as an ape. And that storyline kind of closes things out. <laughs> um, we also have Frank Oz of the Muppets. Mm -hmm. And as Yoda, he actually um, plays a, a police officer who is booking uh, Winthorpe. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually been in a number of Landis films as well, other films. Uh, we've got Bo Diddley, who plays the pawnbroker. He's actually, he's a singer. And um, oh, also, uh, Al Franken plays a drunken baggage handler, also in the train scene, as they're uh, heading to New York. So, uh, yeah. Oh, also, before I close it out, Giancarlo Esposito has a very, very small part as a prisoner who's in uh, Valentine's uh, cell right before he gets uh, bailed out. So I think that might have been his first role or one of his first roles, but uh, he, you all know him from you know Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Do the Right Thing. I think this might have been his first movie, but um, it's fantastic to see him, very random. Also, I just want to mention uh, Denholm Elliott, the late great uh, British actor. He plays Coleman the butler, uh, Winthorpe's brother, uh, butler here. He was also in the Indiana Jones movies. Mm -hmm. And also Paul Gleason plays uh, Clarence Beeks, the uh, sleazy uh, spy who's working with the Dukes brothers. Mm -hmm. So you would probably best known from this and uh, Die Hard. He was the uh, police officer in charge of the, uh, the uh, situation at Nakatomi. So great cast uh you know very well-rounded and you know ralph bellamy and don amici as the duke brothers i i, I don't think of, i don't think there's anyone else that could have portrayed these two brothers they were pitch perfect in their performance 
So I'm really happy about that. This movie they really just, were. Yeah. But I mean, I love it. Like Landis did a great job. The entire cast did a great job. And this movie actually was, uh, I believe, yeah, it was nominated for a few Oscars. And yeah, it is just it's just a wonderful film. It's the fourth highest grossing film of 1983, by the way. So it's interesting. And great use of um of uh Mozart's music. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh Elmer Bernstein did the score. He actually would go on to do the score for Stripes and uh Ghostbusters. So that those two films were directed by Ivan Reitman, who was a good uh, friend of John Landis. And they have if, if you look at their films, they're kind of similar in 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 tone. Um, you know, Reitman never really did a horror movie, but uh he uh, he touched on it with like with Ghostbusters, some scary moments in Ghostbusters. But uh, yeah, Trading Places, great film. Happy fortieth, uh, Trading Places, and here's to future generations. To, uh, enjoy this this wonderful gem. So yeah, okay, guys. So John Landis directed this film, and he's directed many many other films. Uh, I just wanted to go around real quick. Uh, do you? Favorite uh, John Landis film, uh, Tyler? Other well, than, I mean, uh, other than Trading Places. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, if you were to ask uh, me, maybe ten years ago, I would say Animal House. And while it is my second favorite John Landis film, my favorite actually goes to The Blues Brothers because ever since when I was a kid, I actually. I grew up in a blues household. My father was a blues musician. He uh, gave me a VHS copy of the film when I was a kid. And I used to obsess over watching it all the time growing up. And while I do love Animal House for what it did for, you know, the college comedies, you know, took like, you know, teenagers to the next level by making them more raunchy than they ever did before, as well as having more funny moments than Blues Brothers. What I love about the Blues Brothers is it pays a loving tribute to uh, the blues uh, culture. Um, it's ridiculously funny mainly from the deadpan deliveries from Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, while also over the top and humorous, especially when you get those car chases, which are some of the best in cinema, um, if not the best. Um, it also has room for like quiet moments, character moments, like one of my favorite scenes in film altogether, which honestly just says a lot, is just them hanging out in their blues apartment, in Elwood's apartment, which, yeah, it's silly because of how small it is, and there's a train coming in every five seconds but you also like get the feeling of them bonding as brothers and they don't like go into preachy dialogue you just see them communicating Elwood tucking in uh Jake into bed you see all of their interests you know on the walls of their love for blues you got um Louis Jordan's let the good times roll playing in the background it just gives you a moment to just chill with the blues brothers and just yeah. see them bond as characters which is which is an element that just cements my love for the movie among many other other things including the soundtrack so <laughs> no, that's awesome no that 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 moment of um quiet reflection just hanging out in the apartment you um you rarely you rarely see um you know the characters kind of just sleep or or eat you know they're usually just in the middle of the action but there's no moments of like quiet reflection where they just hang out and yeah that was a very that was a really cool moment uh mm -hmm. love the blues brothers i actually I, I rewatched a bunch of Landis films in preparation for this recording. And that was the first, I think that was the first one I popped in and it's so good. Uh, 1980, 
the the yeah the, the car crash the car scenes are insane uh i think they went through like easily a hundred police cars in that that last sequence and there's no cgi it's all mm -hmm. practical it's all like really they're really crashing and flipping and it's nuts uh i can't think of a better duo than Ackroyd and belushi they were they were pitch perfect uh one of the few you know, great performances from Belushi before he you know, he passed in the 80s. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. It really gave me a newfound respect for Landis. And the, the music is great. I'm, I'm not a blues guy at all. I don't really know blues music. But this movie kind of converted me. So I'm really uh, happy about that. And I think one of my favorite parts is is the end with a, a Spielberg camp. We have Steven Spielberg in a cameo. Oh as, yeah, as like a like a like a like a government clerk. And <laughs> it's just so random. And of course, uh, you know Spielberg and Landis would work together a couple of years later for uh, the Twilight Zone movie, which we're gonna we're gonna definitely talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Blues Brothers, so much fun really really so, so tired that's your number one landis yes personally it's okay. my number one favorite i mean not to say that i still don't love animal house just the same they're just more that i appreciate from the blues brothers from a filmmaking standpoint it's not like i found new flaws with animal house or anything like that it just to me just amazes me more as i get older sure yeah and i totally respect that uh i think i saw just this this is probably my second time seeing it overall First, first time I think I saw it was a teenager. I wasn't, I didn't quite, you know, appreciate it. But now I, I'm looking back at it, and, and and really, it's it's fantastic. It's just a fun, ridiculous ride. <laughs> oh yeah, and just one small fa fun fact about me, just to want to share a bit of nostalgia. I would actually even play the Blues Brothers soundtrack in my classroom in elementary school. Mom <laughs> still like going, "What are you singing? How is this groovy?" I'm like, "I love this. So if I'm pretentious. I'm sorry, but I love it." I love to it. And the girls, actually, some of my classmates were getting in on it, too. So it's a, it's a childhood favorite, and I appreciate it more as an adult. That's all I can really say. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a fine wine. It, it definitely ages well. Um, yeah. I, Ivy, are you a Blues Brother aficionado? I, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm really agreeing with everything that you guys are sharing. I, I love the relationship between them. And I love that they're just like creating their own world together. And again, you have like two of the greatest comedians of all time, <laughs> you know, um, brothers. And just the that I what I love about John Landis is like, I feel like um, you can really see what his passions are. Like he has pa a passion for horror. He has passion for music. And I just love that he um like it, it was one of those movies like you said Tyler where you liked or you said Rand like you like the music more after watching it or like if you've already loved it you love it more if you haven't then you become interested in it and I think that that is an incredible uh feat you know to do in a, in a movie um to make it funny and also to like share your passion for something in a way that makes other people want to get into it too and and see what it's all about um and just uh, they're so adorable together they're just they all the trouble they get into and they always get out of it and um and they don't even they don't, react to it either yeah <laughs> they don't learn anything <laughs> no learning for these guys you could really believe that Ackroyd and Belushi are brother like real brothers like they they 
I don't know. They 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 don't really look like each other, but their mannerisms kind of mirror each other, and they mm -hmm. complement each other so well in this movie. Um, it yeah, you know, and it's one of those films that I also admire. There's no origin story of how they met or anything. It's just implied through their actions. Right. You know, right. that's why I love it so much. You get that brotherly bond with them, and we don't need to know what their stories. We get enough of that through the dialogue and the mise en scene when they go to the orphanage when the plot begins to. Uh, unravel um, yeah so. yeah they kind of just throw you right into the action which is amazing uh it doesn't waste any time yeah telling the origin for sure um it, it, it's just it's such a shame though that belushi uh passed away just uh like, a, like a, just a few years after this um he they wanted him to play uh peter vankman in ghostbusters actually he was yeah he instead of uh, bill murray was going to be belushi uh, but Belushi passed, and as a tribute, they actually they created the character, the ghost of Slimer, to kind of be <laughs> like like a, like like an like an inspiration, a tribute yeah. to Belushi. So that, and of course, Aykroyd was in Ghostbusters as well, and a fitting tribute, I think, to uh, to his character Bluto in Animal House, <laughs> just totally ridiculous. But I could have. Definitely, definitely seen Belushi as as uh, Venkman. I think that would have been really cool, actually. It would be. You know? Um, also, I wanted to mention that they did come out with a Blues Brothers sequel in 1998 called Blues Brothers 2000, which I actually watched uh, as in, uh, in addition to the preparation for tonight. And, you know, you could just tell they a lot of them were just kind of phoning it in. Uh, Belushi wasn't involved, obviously. Uh, neither was J Jim Belushi, which I was surprised, uh, but um, because Jim Belushi has been working with the actual Blues Brothers uh, band, and they they do tour every now and then. Uh, but in this movie, uh, Belushi was basically replaced by John Goodman, who is awesome. I I love John Goodman, but sadly in this context, he's no Belushi. Uh, and he's not even given anything to do in the film either. Like, right. do you remember any moment with him in this movie aside from him singing? It's sad. It's, it's just, it's just like very, like just superficial kind of like for just for his image there, just to have him in the band. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it's not just Aykroyd. Uh, you also have Joe Morton who gets involved with the band, and there's a ten-year-old kid who they oh. pick up from the orphanage. It's just kind of like all over the place it's not very focused i don't even no. there i didn't even remember like a, a central plot it was kind of just like things happening and it just it did not work at all it was kind of in a way it was sort of an insult to the original film it uh, is you know what i mean I'm sorry. no 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 uh, i i just I, I was not a fan of it i was trying so hard to get into the action but i just couldn't help but but think back to the original film and how much better that was as opposed to this really just pretty bad sequel. Um, oh yeah, if, I mean if there's one redeeming quality in the film, there's one redeeming quality for me. Not something where I want to watch the whole film to witness all this again, but for what it's worth, the soundtrack is amazing. Sure, like sure. especially at the end of the film, how they get all these different blues musicians and rock and roll musicians together, like Jimmy Vaughn. Um, Paul Schaefer, uh, uh, B.B. Uh, King, Eric Clapton, Isaac Hayes, like, oh my gosh, it was yeah, just yeah. incredible. It was an incredible lineup, but everything else, you know, outside of the soundtrack, 
they were just doing it just to make money. That's really what it was. There was no passion or a lack of passion. I, I mean, honestly, I think the only performance that stands out in the film is uh, Joe Morton, because mm -hmm. I feel like he's actually trying. He has more dimension to his character. In fact, the film was just about him and Elwood's relationship. While it wouldn't be as good as the original, I yeah. feel like it would have made up for something because, you know, having a little kid tag along with yeah. uh, a blues brother also in the suit. I'm not angry at the actor playing him. He did what he could. And to be fair, this character could have been more annoying, but it doesn't fit the Blues Brother aesthetic. No. It just feels like a way to like lure little kids into this PG-13 rated movie that actually has more raunchy and dirty humor than the original, which makes no sense. It was just a mess. It, it, it was a mess. It was a total disappointment. And yeah, you would think like with the Blues Brothers, I mean, they could have just, like, they could have gone a different route. They could have just kept making more sequels or uh, even come out with like an animated series. That was kind of a trend in the 90s. Oh yeah, uh, I think I think the Blues Brothers should have just been a standalone film, um, but you know we're probably going to get an origin story, kind of a prequel type of thing. I you know because we're running they're running out of ideas, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope they don't make any more sequels because yeah, two thousand was just just atrocious. It should have <laughs> just been a concert film. That's what it just should have been a concert hmm. film. Yeah. We will be continuing our conversation on the career of John Landis on next week's episode. Thanks to Ivy and Tyler for joining me tonight. Please like and subscribe to Under the Radar on YouTube. Tune in for new episodes Mondays on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. And of course, listen on Slam Radio through SiriusXM. See you guys next time and take care.